This is episode one of season four of Going Beyond Salvation, and this is your host, Jess Robinson. And today we're going to, this is the podcast for the Old Testament segment um, of reading. And we are in the book of 1 Samuel. And in the book of 1 Samuel, uh, we're going to go, we're introduced in, you know, to the prophet Samuel and, you know, we, we kind of talked about Samuel and, and kind of the background that was going on that even the priest had become corrupt. And, and even though he was being raised by these corrupt priests, Samuel, the, the Lord's hand was upon Samuel, which kind of just shows how we are you know, especially today, you know, there's so much, you know, as, as the Lord was revealing to me in, in the book of Second Timothy, that we're in such a time where, where people are filled with anger, they're lovers of themselves, and, and that they're turning away from the truth. But just because there's all of that going on, doesn't mean that, you know, God doesn't have a remnant out there of people that still call upon his name. And we see this with Samuel, that, Samuel ends up growing up and, you know, with the Lord's hand upon him. And in chapter three, we see this calling to Samuel. And it's actually kind of a hilarious story when you kind of read it because, you know, he, he, he hasn't heard the voice of the Lord yet. And he, he's thinking it's Eli calling him and he goes, and Eli, you know, he's waking up Eli and Eli is going, go back to sleep. I did not call you. And then Eli, it clicks with him going, the Lord's talking to him. And, and we see that with the Lord is talking to Samuel and, you know, he, he speaks to Samuel and it's, you know, the calling of Samuel and, and he, and he tells him that, you know, he's going to carry out against Eli, you know, everything that he spoke against his family from beginning to end. And that, you know, the Lord tells him that he was going to judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about. His sons made themselves contemptible and he failed to restrain them. Because, you know, as as the head priest, as, as the father, he was responsible for for taking control and as as a church you know as the body of christ when we do see sin happening especially upon spiritual leaders if we just stand back and don't do anything about it we're about as guilty as the person who is committing these sins and so eli was about as guilty as his sons and and because of that you know the lord was you know, calling him to account. And so Samuel is called and Eli calls him in and, and he says, you know, don't hide from me what the Lord spoke to you. And he was true. You know, Samuel was truthful. He didn't lie. And, and because of that, you know, and Eli said, he is the Lord, let him do what is good in his eyes. And I, people are going, whoa, what is up with this guy? you know, and it's just more, I think, you know, and we'll see it with, with Hezekiah, that it was more of an ignorance of, you know, it doesn't matter. It's, it's not gonna, 
deal with me or whatever. And I, I, maybe he probably didn't even think it was going to happen to him, but who knows? But we do see with Samuel that, and it says here in the word that as he grew up, he let none of his words fall to the ground. And, and he started to, you know, gain popularity with both men and the Lord, you know, and, and we do see that. And then what ends up happening is there's this fight with the, in chapter four, there's this fight with the Philistines and, you know, and we're going to see this throughout the book of first Samuel and second Samuel a little bit is, is there's this constant war with the Philistines in this, uh, time and generation and you know at that time they're they're fighting the Israelites are fighting the uh, Philistines it's not working so they end up getting the ark thinking oh the ark is going to you know because it represented God's presence in Israel they thought that just bringing the ark was going to unconditionally guarantee them God's favorable power but what they failed to understand was that you know just because it symbolizes God's presence doesn't give assurance that that God is going to actually be there and see God remained with his people only as they sought to maintain their covenant relationship with him and it's the same way under the new covenant you know we're some you know just because we submit to water baptism or partake in the Lord's Supper, go to church on Sunday. It doesn't guarantee our that, that God's favor or his blessings are upon us. You know, it's all about, you know, it's not just a Sunday thing. It's an everyday relationship with the Lord. And the Israelites failed to see that. And we see what God has pronounced for Eli and his two sons end up happening. They end up dying. And sadly, the ark is taken into Ashdod and Ekron and by the Philistines. And it goes through several things. And it's actually an interesting, I just love, you know, in chapter five, you know, his and, and six, <laughs> what happens you know, the Israelites aren't there. And yes, the ark was there and it symbolized God's presence and God's presence ends up showing up in the enemy territory. And uh, they end up getting like judgment put upon them, tumors and rats. And it's just one of these hilarious, it's kind of a funny story. And their and they're God Dagon <laughs> ends up getting pushed down and that, which, you know, wasn't a real God at all. And he ended up, you know, the statue gets broken and it's to the point as they're, it's traveling from one town to another. Finally, like people are like, oh my gosh, no, do not bring this thing in. <laughs> and, and they realize the Philistines realize that they shouldn't have taken this and they, they go to send it back and they, they put these offerings and they go, okay, well, let's do this. And with these cows, like they even test the Lord on this and they they take two cows that have calved and have never been yoked 
And the reason why for that is because you take the calves away from them, you're going to see if they're going to go back for the calves or what they're going to do. And, and their whole thing was if they keep going this way, you know, toward Beth Shemesh, where the Israelites are at, then the Lord has brought this great disaster. But if it doesn't, then that it just happened by chance. And, and I'm wondering, you know, what happened as they watched, what happened afterwards as they saw this, these cows take it back to, to the Israelites? You know, I'm wondering how many actually maybe got a realization that, that God was real. And now we know that the Philistines still fought against the Israelites throughout this, this whole time. And we see it in our daily reading, but they get an eye opening and there are people out there that they don't follow the Lord, but they do realize that he is real. Um, and there's different beliefs out there that, that if he is real, you know, some say that if he is real, he's, he, he can't be known or just different things like that. But there are people that, you know, especially those who were raised in Pentecostal churches and all of that, but go their own way. Some of them do realize that, that God is real, but, and they're very careful still what they do, but they, they're just doing their own thing. And so that's just something that really stood out to me. So we're going to take a quick break and then jump into chapter seven. So we go into chapter seven and, and yes, the, and what ends up happening, and I'll kind of go back into chapter six a little bit, but the ark shows up back to the Israelites and they're rejoicing, but we also see what ends up happening is some of the people in in Beth Shemesh, you know, some of the men, you know, they look into the into this most holy thing and they get struck down. And it was just because there was this separation and God was was making sure that they re, that they respected the boundaries that and that they honored and revered him. And so the ark gets into Curious Jerem and going, you know, you know, who can contain the Lord, you know, who, you know, and so they send it there, but, and it, you know, this ark stays there for 20 years, 20 years. That's a long time. And at that time, and see, they're still dealing with the Philistines you know, they're still dealing with a lot of things. And we see this example of revival because they, these people, their hearts start mourning for the Lord. And that's a huge thing about revival is when, you know, the heart, you know, the Holy Spirit starts convicting your heart and you're, you're turning and seeking after the Lord the, and hungering the things of God. That's the hugest part about revival. And we see this kind of revival with the Israelites and Samuel, he's the one that 
comes up and tells them that, you know what, if you're returning to the Lord with all your hearts, then rid yourself. Like he's being evangelistic and saying, you've got to get rid of this stuff and just go for the Lord. And they do. We see the Israelites, they, they come into this time of revival. And as the Philistines come to attack them, you know, they defeat them. You know, the Lord's hands upon him and, you know, they, they defeat him. And, and so he does that. And, and so there's this huge kind of revival that happens. And in Samuel is what they call as a judge, you know, because this is kind of the end of the judges and, and all of that, that we've been talking about. And so Samuel is a judge and he, you know, goes around through, through the different clans and does that. But sadly, it doesn't last for, very, you know, he starts growing old. And what had happened is he appointed his sons as judges for Israel. And sadly, his sons are not good judges. And the people get mad. And, and the people decide they want a king. And Samuel goes... To pray, you know, he's displeased because he's like, no, the Lord is, is your king, not don't get a king. And, and it's interesting, you know, and he's displeased. And, and I love what the Lord tells Samuel, you know, because I had an interest, the, the Lord actually put me in this, this situation where, and you know, and the Lord said to, to Samuel, it says, listen to all that the people are saying to you. It is not you they have rejected, but they have rejected me as the, their king, as they have done from the day I brought them up out of Egypt until this day, forsaking me and serving other gods. So they are doing to you. Now listen to them, but warm them solemnly and let them know what the king who will reign over them will do. And you know, and we just see this, that the people's hearts, you know, there was this time of revival and then all of a sudden the people's hearts are not there anymore. You know, they're not, and we have to be careful of that, that we don't let our hearts, you know, grow cold or stagnant. And it's hard because yes, you know, we go through life and sometimes we go what's called a rut. You know, we, we're, we get in a rut and because maybe we're seeing some things that, or, you know, just some things are happening in our lives and we're just going, what's going on, you know, and we get stuck in a rut, but we can't let our passion for God cool down. And we see this, that the people end up rejecting God. And, and we're going to see this, that there's this period of time where they, there's revival and then there's rejection, you know, and, and even today, you know, and we can take a lesson from what the Lord said to Samuel, because it happened to me, you know, as I was working, you know, as I'm, you know, as I was really standing up and boldly for my faith at the newspaper and was starting to share my faith, then I was told, no, you can't share your faith. Leave that to, to the pastor's corner, because that's what they're, there to do you're just a reporter and I'm like 
wait a minute, I'm going for my, my certificate with the assembly of God. And I'm like, just because I don't have my ministry accreditation doesn't mean that I can't speak about what my beliefs are. This, my opinion comes from what the word says. And I was just so discouraged. I was so displeased because, you know, essentially, you know, I had editors who were telling me that they cared more about money than what my opinion or, you know, what I wrote. And, and even if it was truth and they didn't care. And I was just so discouraged. And I remember that weekend I was at church and I was just worshiping during the worship time. And the Lord took me back to this story where the Israelites asked for the king and for a king and the words that the Lord had said. You know, this is why, you know, you need to be reading your word because you may not understand it, but when the time comes and you're in that situation, the Lord is going to bring that up because you have read it and it is in your heart when you read it. And it's not just one time, you know, you have to keep reading over and over again. And, and the Lord took me back to that. And he said, you know, your editors haven't rejected you. They've rejected me. Leave them to me. You continue to be obedient. And if you can't do it there, you can do it somewhere else. And that's why this podcast started coming in about. And there's actually going to be a, a another different podcast uh, coming out, which is, is called in the news. You know, biblical perspective is where I look at news headlines and I bring the biblical perspective into it because we want to keep the Bible out. You know, people want to keep the Bible out, but it's like you can't keep the word of truth, which is the Bible, which is written by God, essentially out of of the news. You can't, you know. So that's what ends up happening is they reject God and ask for a king and he warns them. You know, he gives them this warning, but they say, you know what? We still want a king. We don't care. We want a king. And so he's like, fine. He, he leaves it to them. And he's, and we still see with Samuel, even through this discouragement, he still serves the Lord. His eyes are still focused. So when you come across kind of rejection, you know, even, especially if you're on fire for God, for, for Jesus and, and you witness to somebody and they don't want to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Do not take it personally. It's not you that they're rejecting. It's God they're rejecting. And you just have to keep praying for them. And still be their friend. Still be there for them. And, you know, and, and it's going to take time. You know, just don't give up. Don't give up. And and that's just something. And even discouragement. When you do come across persecution. When you do come across rejection because of your faith or and, and obstacles don't get discouraged just keep your focus on you know Jesus and what he and being obedient to what he wants you to do you know continue to be obedient don't you know just say well I'm done you know I'm just gonna do my own thing you know <laughs> just don't you know continue with your eyes on Jesus and and let God deal with them 
and and continue to pray for them. Don't think, you know, don't pray like bad things about them, you know, but continue to pray for them that they their eyes would be open to the truth and and all of that. So that's what I saw with um with with chapter 8 and we're just actually going to jump or take a quick break and then talk about uh introduce our our next character which is Saul. So we meet Saul who is from from the tribe of Benjamin which we know that Benjamin was you know the smallest tribe at this point because of what had happened you know back in the book of Judges and we meet Saul and there's a story of of where they go and they have to go find donkeys and they can't find them well then they go and meet Samuel but this was a divine appointment from God which is you know God works all instances you know for his his greater glory he doesn't cause evil to happen but he does work in those situations and so we see he goes and and they meet Samuel and Samuel had been told by the Lord that these guys are coming and this is the person and so he starts setting it up and I I was wondering what Saul was kind of thinking you know what as he's going through this and he's getting this choice meet and this this prophet is just like really giving him favor and he's just like what is going on because we see Saul's personality and it's a type of personality that's out there where they are individualistic you know they're not the ones that are you know gonna buy the designer clothes they're they're individualistic they are kind of the ones that would probably crochet or knit or sew their own clothing. They are different. They they are different, but they don't want to be put out in the spotlight. And we see that with Saul as he's not wanting to be put out in the spotlight. But God chooses to to anoint Saul as king. And and that's how God is, is it's some you know, people tend to and we'll really kind of talk about this with David as well that you know he was just a a shepherd and God picked him to be the next king and in our ideas of who should lead is sometimes not who you know God's idea you know and and we think about that you know and, and our ways are not his ways sometimes or our ways are not his ways you know, and that's why it's so important to really not let our own personal opinions get in the way of of what God's will is. You know, and and we see that that with Saul, he he ends up going into. You know, and he he anoints Saul. He took took a flask of oil and poured it on Saul's, and we you know on his head and kissed him, saying, you know, he's anointed the leader. 
and and we'll also I'm going to kind of jump here with with David too. When David was anointed, he was anointed with a flask of oil, and and the flask of oil, the oil is actually a representing of the 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 Holy Spirit. Now here, the Spirit of the Lord doesn't right away fall upon Saul. He actually is sent to Gabeah, and 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 Saul tells him, or Samuel tells Saul that when you go there, the Spirit of the Lord's going to come upon you in power, and you're going to prophesy, and you're going to be changed, you know, and 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 that's how it is with baptism in the Holy Spirit. That sometimes, and I tell people this: if you haven't, like you've sought after the initial baptism of the Holy Spirit, and it doesn't come right away, it's not God's rejection towards you it's sometimes it takes time and we see that and I think God wanted to see Saul's obedience a little bit to see if he would go to Gibeah and we see he does he's anointed with the Holy Spirit versus David he was anointed right away but David was already his heart was already after the Lord he wasn't perfect but his heart was after the Lord. So it, it came upon him right away. And we see with Saul's personality, when he's made Cain initially, he's hiding because he's like, he doesn't want to be out in the spotlight. But this ends up happening. He's anointed king. But we also see when he's anointed king, there are people that don't want him to be king. And that's just something that we can understand as well in our own lives that when God puts us in a place of position you are going to expect opposition you know or whatever he commands you to do you're going to expect opposition even if it's from people who call themselves um well they are Christians you know they've accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior you can expect opposition from your own brothers and sisters in Christ. And it's probably a lot of times it's just what it is, is sometimes they think they are serving God by opposing you. That's what they think they're doing. You know, they're serving God, you know, and it's sad. It's hard, but you have to look at it through, through God's eyes and pray for them. And we see he doesn't fight them. And, he just goes on and continues doing what he's doing. He's out plowing a field when, when the J, when Jabesh Gilead calls for help, and we see that happening in, in the story, and we see Saul is changed, and that's how the power of God works. Is you know when you're transformed, you know when you accept Jesus as as your Lord and Savior, you're you're transformed and into a new creation. And that's what happened to Saul. He was changed. His life was changed. And as believers, it's about going forward in this new life. And sadly with Saul, we see that he doesn't. He ends up becoming more focused about what people think of him more than what God thinks of him. And sadly, we get that way. It's one of the hardest things about, one of the things the enemy throws at us is jealousy and comparison. We see it all the time, you know, especially when you're at the grocery store and you're seeing these magazines with, 
you know, models that are photoshopped or men that, you know, these, especially men in magazines, they're all buff and, and there's just, you know, stigma and, and comparison. There's this whole thing about comparison, you know, for example, too, you know, as we, you know, I was, I got my invite for my 10 year reunion for high school and I'm just sitting here going, do I really want to go? And I was like, talking to other people and they said really the 10-year reunion's not worth going to because essentially everybody's getting out of college and when they show up it's all about you know well I make this amount of money and all of that and it's all about comparison who has the most wonderful husband and who has the most wonderful career where down the road when it's like the 50th reunion or you know 60th reunion when everybody's retired you know as as I was hearing people say you know it's when you're retired and you're older your kids are gone out of the house those reunions are a lot better because you're not comparing you're all like yeah you're boasting about your grandkids or whatever but you know and that's just how society is And it's sad because it's opposite of what God wants. He made us all individually. And that's who we are. You know, we shouldn't compare ourselves. We shouldn't be sorry for how God made us. And, And compare ourselves and try to be like somebody else. We should be who God made us to be. You know? And so we see this happening. Um, We're where Saul is changed, and, you know, coming back to Jabesh Gilead, and, and when he's changed, it's actually interesting. The Spirit of God comes upon him, and he is burning with anger. And that sometimes happens, where the Spirit of God comes upon somebody, and, you know, a believer in his genuine anger at sin and, and the mistreatment of others. And he sees that, and they do something about it. And... <laughs> And and we do see that with Jesus, where he had a genuine anger towards sin and, and the mistreatment of others. And so the, the people of Jabesh Gilead are saved. And, and, st- and, you know, all these people are like, oh, let's get all those who did not want Saul keen and we'll kill him. And he's like, no. And I that was a really good response by, by Saul because and a response we should learn from. He, he essentially said, no, <laughs> essentially nobody's going to die. And the, the kingship is renewed. But sadly, you know, we do see, you know, Saul fall away. And, and I just want to, we'll take a quick break and then we will uh, jump into that. We get into chapter 12 and the kingship's renewed. And before we kind of go into Saul's fallen away, uh, there's Samuel's farewell speech. And as I said before, even through the discouragement, Samuel continued to follow the Lord. And he was totally prophetic. But he does confront the people. And we see this uh, speech he gives, this farewell speech. And he outlines Israel's continued rejection towards God. 
Um, and we're going to see that as well, you know, in, in the New Testament as well, um, with, with, uh, Stephen in, in the book of Acts, where he shows the continual rejection of, of God, you know, by the spiritual leaders. And, and so we see this with Samuel, he points out their rejection, but he tells them that to fear the Lord and obey him. And he was making it clear to them that God's blessing and the nation's welfare were conditioned not on having a king, but on their response of reverence for and service to God with a full obedience to his covenant word. I do want to make a warning towards people because there are some believers that say, well, you know, this just shows that we don't have to, especially here in America where we've got a democracy that, well, you know, our nation's protection is based on God. So, you know, just, you know, don't worry about voting. I just want to say to believers out there who are in, you know, places where you vote, don't stop voting. But just realize, yes, our nation is based on us revering the Lord. And and yes, sadly, people do, you know, there are Christians that do base their, they try to find a pastor for a leader. And they may see just some things in, in a candidate that they don't like. And, and they're just minute things. Where, you know, like, for example, in, you know, 2016, you know, with, with the race with, with Trump versus Hillary and, and people were, there were Christians that were so against Trump because yes, he's, he's been divorced and there was all these tapes surfacing and, and I don't condone some of the things that Trump has said in in the past but that's between him and God. I do believe that Trump has been saved and and so everything in his past that's between him and God. And that's that's where as Christians we need to leave it. But you know when it came to the voting time I sat there and I looked between the two of them and I said I'm not voting for Hillary Clinton because she is so immoral. It's like voting in Jezebel. <laughs> as we will meet in, in, in the book of Kings, first Kings, we will meet Jezebel and Jezebel is not, you, yeah, it, it's, it, you'll start seeing similarities between Jezebel and Hillary Clinton, you know, and, and it's a bold statement, but I just said, no, for me to vote for Hillary Clinton is me voting against God. And yes, you know, Trump has things to work on, but he's human, just like you and me. We have things to work on in our Christian walk as well. And I sat there and I said, and the things that he was standing for, I sat there and said, you know what? I would be an idiot not to vote for for Trump. And so, you know, and I'm going to continue to vote for Trump because... I, you know, just the things that he stands up for. And I, I do like the vice president. I like Mike Pence. He's a a great man of God. And I think he, he's there for a good reason, you know, and, and all of that. And, 
And, and that's what you need to do is just look at what the candidates believe in and look at what they believe in, what they're going to fight for, you know, and, and make that decision. That's all I'm going to say. But, and yes, our nation is only through God and still stand on that. You know, even if that candidate does not win, you know, still pray for the other candidate and still stand on that God is going to work in this situation. And so, you know, and Samuel's telling them, just because you ha have a king doesn't mean you're, your salvation and all that doesn't rely on that. It relies on you still living in the covenant relationship with God. And then there's this miraculous sign with the wheat field and the people start trembling because they realize, oh yeah, we sinned. But Samuel, you know, affirms them that yes, you have done evil, but do not turn away from the Lord. And then, and that's how it is when we do evil and the Holy Spirit convicts us, don't turn away from the Lord. Conviction leads to you turning to the Lord and asking for forgiveness. And, and he was saying, there's still a chance. And, and I love Samuel. He, he says, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by failing to pray for you. That is a profound statement for us that we even have to pray. And even Jesus says over and over, pray for your enemies, pray for them. You know, like with all the, the riots going on, I still pray for those people going, God, you know, just as, you know, in the book of Acts with, with Saul, give them a divine encounter to, and, and bring them to know you, you know, you know, it would, it would be a sin to not pray for them and, and, and hope that God's salvation comes to them and free them from, from the lies of the enemy that puts anger in their heart. And, and he says, and I will teach you the way that is good and right. And so he was still going to be there, even though, and he, and we do see him that he does go to Saul several times. And so we see that happening. And so, so for, we're going to take a, a quick break and then actually talk about the fall of Saul. So we start seeing Saul. What ends up happening is, one, Saul does not end up trusting in the Lord and his he focuses more on the opinion of of others than than himself and we see this in chapter 13 that he he sins against the command of the Lord he was to wait at Gilgal until Samuel came to do the sacrifices and he didn't and you know and God had tested Saul's obedience by having Samuel be delayed to see what he would do. And we have to, as believers, be careful of that because God will command us to do something. And if you're, if you do not obey that command, it's, you're essentially, you know, 
you are really sinning against God at that point. And we see that he doesn't. And Samuel tells him, you know, the, you're, the kingdom of Israel is not yours. You know, it's not going to endure. You know, the Lord is seeking after someone who's after his own heart, which is pointing to David. Now, yes, Saul still continued to reign until he dies. However, it's saying that his son Jonathan was not going to take the throne. It was going to be somebody else. And we see here as well that Israel, they had no weapons. They were the what what we would call the underdog, which leads us to chapter 14, which is sad because it's like there's this discouragement. But we see Jonathan, and Jonathan, I really like him you know, in, in this story. I like Jonathan because of his loyalty, especially his loyalty in his heart towards David. He's not like his father where there's this jealousy in, in, in Saul. He embraces David and embraces that this is God, you know, putting David on the throne. And, and we see Jonathan and his bravery, you know, and, but it wasn't his own strength. It was as the Lord's strength that the Philistines are defeated that day. And it's, it just shows as, as Christians that, you know, circumstances may seem to be against us. And our resources seem inadequate, but we have, you know, as, you know, God's children, we have the right to call on him to help us in our time of need. And he has promised to be an ever-present help in trouble and to supply grace for all of our needs. And we see that happen. Now we do see that Jonathan, yeah, he disobeys his father, um, and eats the honey, and and Saul doesn't kill him. But we see that happening in, in chapter fourteen, and and but we do see the a difference between Jonathan and Saul. And so there's this, and then we get into chapter fifteen, and. With chapter 15, this is where Saul really screws up. Because he's given a command by the Lord to go kill, wipe out the Amalekites, everything, including their livestock, their king, livestock, everything. It was supposed to be gone. He doesn't do it. He disobeys the Lord. And he loses his position of power. It's just like, and, and, and today we can relate to that, that, you know, spiritual leaders will fall, you know, or sometimes fail. They fail morally. There are some that fail morally. Not everyone. There are those that, that they're really strong in their walk with the Lord and, you know, they're still not perfect, but they don't fail morally, you know, because they're very, very firm and in, in they're found, you know, being on the foundation of the rock, which is Jesus. And we see Saul fail as a spiritual leader. He'd been rejected as, as king. And, 
and his thing. We see he he's like, oh, I sinned, but please come back with me. You know, he's focused about people's thoughts of him more than just this conviction. And we'll, and we can compare that with David when David does sin badly. He, he fails morally as well. And his heart is just convicted and his focus is, oh God, I have sinned against you. He's not focused about anybody else or their thoughts of him. He's focused on just God in him. And, and that's how it is with us that when we sin, we're sinning against God and our focus needs to be on God at that point. Not what others think of us, but getting right with God and he doesn't and he's rejected and and sadly you know he's rejected as king and people are like oh he was rejected salvation wise and and he was going to go to hell and it was like no he wasn't determined to go to hell he was just rejected as king if he would have you know turned away from his ways and sought after the Lord, even, you know, when losing the throne, he had that guarantee salvation still where, and it's the same way, you know, that a spiritual leader may fail morally and, and be rejected permanently by God from, from their spiritual office, but be open to full forgiveness, salvation, and fellowship with God. That's just how it is, you know? And so we see that happen. And sadly, you know, and it and it grieves God. It it wasn't and God grieved. It grieved his heart that you know at Saul's rebellion. So you think about our own lives when we're not obeying the Lord, how we're grieving his heart. When you look around and see the sin that is happening, how is God, you know, look at his heart that he's grieving at the rebellion. It's, it just shows that, you know, God is not just, you know, he's not an angry God and, and there to strike you with a two by four, you know, he's there as a loving God. And so... That's just something that really spoke to me, and and we'll and we'll be revisit, revisiting the Amalekites later on in, in the Old Testament. So we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to jump into meeting David. So we jump in here into chapter 16 and we see Samuel also mourning for, for Saul. He had a heart, you know, his heart was just like the Lord's and it, he grieved when there was sin, which, you know, as, as a Christian, as you start rejecting the things of this world, you will start mourning and grieving as well. But the Lord picks up Samuel and says, I've, I'm sending you to, you know, Jesse of Bethlehem. I've picked one of his sons. He doesn't tell him which son. And, and as I was talking about before, he goes and 
goes to, to Jesse's house and he sees all these sons and he's like, oh, this one's the one. And, and God goes, nope, I don't con- you know, consider appearance or height, you know. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And so all these sons go by and Samuel's like, okay, this one's rejected. I'm wondering what's in his mind. (laughs) He's like, okay, we're running out of sons. God, what's going on? Well, there's one son left, which is the shepherd boy, which is David. And God picks David, the youngest. And... Just as I said before, God's ways are not our ways. And so he picks David, but David has this heart that's for him. And he's anointed with the oil and the the spirit of the Lord comes upon him, but he still goes out with, with the sheep. And, you know, he's not automatically put into this, this seat of power. And that's something that we really need to focus on in, in our relationship with the Lord is that God will give us promises. He will give us callings. And sometimes, yes, they happen right away, but sometimes there's a waiting period. And we see there's a waiting period, a very long waiting period for David. But David goes into Saul's service because the Spirit of the Lord leaves Saul. And I just want to say, and I've said it before, even with the story of Samson, you can continue on sinning and at some point, God's presence is going to leave you. And, you know, especially if you are not repentant, he will leave. If you, Especially if you grieve the Holy Spirit enough, it's going to leave. And we see that happen with, with Saul that the spirit of the Lord leaves him and he's actually tormented. And David, we know, we find out about David that he's a worshiper and that he plays the harp and he's sent into Saul's service to play the harp. He's not put on the throne. He's sent somewhere else to play worship music. And, but you don't, you don't see David complaining. He just continues on step by step and, And we see that. And as believers, we have to be that way. We go where the Lord tells us, okay, you need to go here. You need to go here. Even though we don't know, you know, when this promise is going to come, we still have to be faithful and obedient. And we still see David is faithful and obedient. And then, and he's going back and forth between Saul and, and tending the sheep. He's still doing that. And then we get to chapter 17 and it's the well known story about David, David and Goliath. And actually I was reading an article a couple months back and in that article, uh, it was talking about, they actually looked into the story of David and Goliath and they said, uh, the, the armor described of, of Goliath actually matched matches with the bronze age where this is probably taking that place at. And so it's like, wow, you know, the Bible even like, you know, verifies the, the armor from the bronze age. And we see that there's the Philistines and the people's hearts melt at Goliath. And, and 
we talk, you know, we see with Goliath and, and they're filled with fear. Even, even Saul is filled with fear. And, you know, because, and then we see that today, that there's all these kind of Goliaths, especially with, with coronavirus, that there's all these Goliaths out there, you know, and people are lived and living in fear and trembling. And we come to David. David is sent to go check on his brothers. He wasn't looking to fight a giant that day. He was just being obedient to his father, going and taking some stuff to his brothers, finding out what's going on, and then he was to go back. That's how it was. He was just being obedient. And then he shows up and he goes, why are these people afraid? Like, you know, then hearing the glad, and he's just, he's filled with this, with the spirit of the Lord going, who is this guy? Like, he is not afraid. He's like, who is this guy? And as believers, you know, when you have the spirit of the Lord on you, it doesn't matter what's going on. You know, there could be coronavirus. There could be, you know, rioters. You're not filled with fear because you're going, my God is bigger than this guy. <laughs> and so, you know, he's going, who, you know, what, what's going to happen with somebody that, or to the person that defeats this guy. And, you know, they keep telling him over and over that he's going to have the, the hand and in, in the king's daughter for marriage and all this. And, and he's just, he keeps going from one person to another. And you see his one brother, he's filled with anger and he's like, you're conceited, you know, get out of here. And he's just like, no. And, and we will see that, you know, when we're filled and on fire for God, as I said, you're going to come across people, even people who are related to you that are going to try to stop you. Well, Saul finds out about what David's doing and he brings him in and David makes a decision. I'm going to go out there and fight him. And Saul's like, you're just a boy. And this guy's been fighting for, for years. But I love David's response. You know, he's like, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off his sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. David recalled what the Lord had done for him. Because he, he, he does say, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of, the, of this Philistine. He saw who his God was. He saw how big God was and that this, this guy was just a man. And we see, and that's how it is. You know, I keep telling people, you know, magnify God more than what's happening. And we see that he doesn't put on this armor. He goes out with stones and a slingshot, which if you actually do a Google, Google search, go to some of like the um, like museums and stuff, especially like in London and, and all of that, there's some really these stones weren't just your tiny little pebble they they were a good size and 
it's actually been shown based on physics that the angle and all of that based on on Goliath that and and his height and all of that that when David hit him with that rock on the head it it did a great deal of damage you know based on physics and and so he and you know and he doesn't have all these fancy weapons he just has the slingshot and and we have the armor of God and and we don't need all these fancy things, you know, people go, oh, when you're praying, just put sage into your home. And it's like, no, we have the authority, uh, you know, in Jesus' name, we'll pray and they have to, to leave. And, you know, we don't need anything fancy, you know, and when we're fighting against the enemy. Because we've got God on our side and we see that David triumphs over the over Goliath Goliath is killed and he ends up going into service with Saul afterwards and so we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to jump into Saul's jealousy in regards to David we are in chapter 18 and and when David you know we see this friendship between form between David and Jonathan people go oh it was homosexual no it wasn't it was just a brotherly love just as you know as as believers there's a brotherly and sisterly love between uh the believers and so we see that happening and between, you know, uh, Jonathan and David, and there's this friendship that really forms and see Jonathan loves him as himself. And so, and it's something that I wanted to share about, you know, because especially when you're dealing with, you know, especially girls, like I, I teach this to young teenage girls because they're always so hard upon on, on themselves that, oh, I'm fat and, you know, I, I don't look like Kim Kardashian. Like there's this, like I said, as a spirit of comparison in a way. And um, we see with Jonathan, he doesn't compare himself to to David. He loves David as himself. And when you have a love of yourself that, you know, and it's not a vain love. It's you embrace who you are as, as God's child and embrace, you know, how he's made you and, and all of that, it helps you to love others. And because if you can't love yourself or embrace God's love for you, you're going to have a hard time loving others. And we see that with Jonathan he ends up loving David. He never gets jealous. He never turns on him. There's such a loyalty Jonathan has to David. And but we see Saul. And there's this one thing that happens. These women start saying Saul has slain his thousands and David has tens of thousands. And that jealousy comes upon him. And jealousy, you know, just as we talked about jealousy especially with, you know, Cain and Abel, 
jealousy can lead to to really bad things and we see it Saul's jealousy takes over and he decides he's going to kill David and we see that there's these different plots that he makes that well he leaves him to the Philistines I'll send him out to battle he's got to get killed at some point but God's hands upon him and each plot fails, even with, you know, getting his daughter married off. And then he realizes his, his second daughter, you know, that he, that David marries, ends up getting married to, loves David. And he goes, oh, wow. You know, he's starting and that jealousy grows and grows and it gets to the point he tries to kill David. And, and there's a point you know, where Jonathan talks sense into, into his own father going, David's never wronged you. What are you trying to do? But it doesn't last long. He continues after David. And we see at this point that, that Saul is determined and David has to flee, which you think about it, you know, and David didn't do anything wrong. He was just being obedient. And, and it, and he has his, he knows that he has his calling. And we see, and I want to just share here with, with David, you see he doesn't even brag to Saul that I've been anointed. I'm the one that's going to take your spot. He doesn't. He serves him. And, and he doesn't even fight back when Saul attacks him. He won't. And, and that's something that we need to take is, is that, if somebody tries to start a fight, you know, we shouldn't, you know, human reaction is fight back. But really, sometimes God calls us to, to walk away. And now, does it mean, you know, flee from persecution, flee from here and there? No. Sometimes you have to face it head on. But for David, he, he did have to flee. And, and we do see this this covenant made between Jonathan and David that, you know, Jonathan realizes that he's, David's going to be on the throne, but he says, I don't care, you know, promise me that even with my family line, that you're going to be good to my family. And a promise is made between these two. And and sadly, you know, we see David has to flee and, and they're weeping because he can see such a friendship between them. And and it's sad. You know, it's kind of a sad situation, but David leaves and and people go, Well, wow, God has given him this calling. Why does David have to flee? And it was like, you know, I think in a way that in this situation, one, you know, God's dealing with people. You know, he doesn't have full control. You know, they still deal with free will. And so he still had to deal with Saul. And Saul ended up, and I think he wanted to see what David would do. And I think in this time, David's character is developed. And he doesn't live with offense. And we, we've talked about that in his Psalms, that he doesn't live with offense. He leaves it with God. And we see that he does that. And so... And as believers, that's what we need to do is learn to leave the offense with God. Let him deal with it. Pray for the person and God will work in that situation. And so 
that was essentially all of our, our daily reading for, for today. So for, uh, for the next week's reading on the Old Testament, we're going to finish the book of 1 Samuel. So that's chapter 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, and 31. And then we're going to go into 2 Samuel and go through chapter 6. And so just feel free to break it off however you want. And so I'm just going to end in a prayer. And I just want to say thank you, Lord Jesus, for who you are, God. And Lord, just the anointing that you put in our lives. How you change our lives when we come into alignment with your word. Lord, I just pray your anointing over us, Lord. Guide and direct us in your will and your way. Help us to know you even more, Lord Jesus. And that, Lord, I just pray today that you would just touch everyone, Lord, that they would not live with a spirit of fear, no matter what's going on in this this world today. Just touch them, Lord. Anoint them in so many ways. And, Lord, we just thank you for all that you're doing and continue to do. In Jesus' holy, precious name, amen. Have a great day you guys and stay tuned for the next podcast that will uh, go over psalms and proverbs Mm -hmm.